Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Good Food Third Quarter 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. As a courtesy to others, we ask each participant limit themselves to one question and, if necessary, one follow-up question. Instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. Please note that the questions will be taken from financial analysts only. If anyone has difficulties hearing the conference, please press star followed by zero for operator assistance at any time. I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded today, July 8, 2020 at 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Furthermore, I would like to remind you that today's presentation may contain forward-looking statements about Good Food's current and future plans, expectations, and intentions, results, level of activity, performance, goals, or achievements, or other future events or developments. As such, please take a moment to read the disclaimer on forward-looking statements on slide two of the presentation. I would now like to turn the meeting over to your host for today's call, Jonathan Ferrari. Good Food Chief Executive Officer. Mr. Ferrari, you may proceed. Thank you. Bonjour à tous et bienvenue à l'appel conférence de marché Good Food pour présenter les résultats financiers du troisième trimestre de l'exercice financier 2020, clos le 31 mai 2020. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this call for Good Food Market Corp, in which we'll present the financial results for the third quarter of fiscal 2020, ended on May 31st, 2020. I'm pleased to be joined on the call today by Neil Kagi, Good Foods President and Chief Operating Officer, and by Philip Adam, Chief Financial Officer. Our press release reporting third quarter results was published earlier this morning. It can also be found on our website at makegoodfood.ca and on CDAR. Please be aware that we will refer to certain metrics and non-IFRS measures, where possible, these measures are identified and reconciled to the most comparable IFRS measures in our MDNA. Finally, let me remind you that all figures expressed on today's call are in Canadian dollars unless otherwise stated. And now, turning to slide three. It outlines our key financial highlights for the third quarter. Our exceptional quarterly results validate Good Foods' long-term business strategy and leading position in the e-commerce, grocery, and meal solutions market. The month of March, April, and May have seen the online grocery market take off, and its penetration among Canadian households accelerate significantly, with years of forecasted growth turning into months. During this quarter, we experienced tremendous growth, but also significant business and human challenges. While this made Q3 among the most difficult quarters in our history, it was also the most rewarding for us. In addition to managing their personal and family considerations, our employees worked tremendously hard to keep up with the essential needs of Canadians coast to coast 
while implementing enhanced safety protocols to keep our workforce and customers safe. To all our Good Food employees, I want to say thank you. Our third quarter results significantly surpassed our growth and profitability expectations. For the first time in our history, we are pleased to report net income and positive EBITDA, in addition to record levels on other key metrics. There are a few items I'd like to highlight on this slide. First, our growth in revenue outpaced our growth in subscribers and GMS, as our strategy to expand our product offering and provide a larger share of our customers' grocery basket, combined with the pandemic's impact, translated into larger basket sizes and more frequent orders. We were able to achieve these levels of revenue using less incentives as we curbed delivery days and matched our marketing spend to our supply chain capabilities. Second, gross merchandise sales for the quarter were just shy of $100 million, which is a significant milestone for us. This increase was primarily driven by the growth in our active subscriber base, higher order rates, and basket, basket sizes. The contribution of the latter two factors is another clear indication of the success of our strategy to fulfill an even larger part of our subscribers' meal planning needs with a growing number of exclusive private label grocery products and delicious meal solutions. Third, we are very pleased to report our first net income and positive EBITDA in Good Foods history. This reflects not only growth in revenue, but also a, cl a clear demonstration of operating leverage driven by higher order rates. Overall, our financial performance this quarter has been exceptional, driven by the accelerated penetration of online grocery shopping. I will now turn to slide four to present a few highlights. As indicated, we delivered record financial results by responding to Canadians' strong and sustained demand as they embraced online grocery shopping in a way that marks a pivotal and permanent shift in consumer shopping habits. Our run rate GMS now stands at $418 million, approaching the half billion mark ahead of schedule. From an operational perspective, we continue to expand our footprint and roll out key initiatives. First, we have taken major steps to reinforce our presence in the greater Toronto area. At the end of April, we announced the launch of our first fulfillment center in the GTA with a 42,000 square foot facility. This new facility helped grow capacity quickly and allowed us to get closer to our customers in Canada's largest market. Our first deliveries were completed at the end of May and the operations are gradually ramping up as planned. At the end of May, we also announced a second fulfillment center in the GTA which was planned earlier this year and will be financed with part of the proceeds raised in the convertible debenture issued in late February. This new flagship 200,000 square foot purpose-built facility will be state-of-the-art and is intended to support Good Foods' next phase of growth as it will be highly automated to fulfill online grocery products more efficiently. This facility is currently under construction and should be operational by the end of summer 2021. In early March, we opened our new 84,000 square foot fulfillment center located in the greater, Toronto, uh, greater Vancouver area, and we are very pleased with the ramp up. The launch of this new facility is very timely as it is helping us meet the high demand in Western Canada 
further accentuated by COVID-19. During this quarter, we also completed the construction of our prepared meals commissary at our Montreal facility and ramped up our last mile delivery initiative, Good Courier, which delivered almost a third of our members' orders this quarter. Taking control of the last mile delivery in certain high density areas has helped our members' overall experience. It has reduced our delivery costs and it will be critical to the development of our same day and next day delivery capabilities. Second, we continue to execute on our strategy to grow our product selection in order to provide good food with the ability to fulfill an even larger part of its subscriber meal planning needs. On the private label side, we now have 300 exclusive private label grocery products, doubling the offering in the last three months. During this quarter, we have observed significant traction for our private label products with sales nearly quadrupling quarter over quarter. Moving on to slide five, we wanna share some details on the impact of COVID-19 on our business. The past few months have represented a pivotal point in time for good food as the pandemic ignited the growth of online grocery shopping in Canada. COVID-19 has proven to be a significant catalyst as the adoption rate of online grocery has effectively outpaced growth projections of several years in a matter of months as Canadians fully embraced a new way of shopping that we believe will continue to grow in popularity in the coming years. Consequently, we observed increased demand for all of our products and private label grocery items in particular. Furthermore, the order frequency from existing clients increased and the average basket size was also higher as customers further adopted our grocery and ready to eat products. The crisis also created operational challenges and additional costs that impacted our gross margin. On the labor front, we needed to bring a significant number of new employees on board during the quarter and established an essential Canadian pay program leading to temporarily higher labor direct and indirect costs. In addition, supplemental pressure on the supply chain, which drove increases in food costs and enhanced hygiene procedures, personal protective equipment and social distancing measures negatively impacted our gross margin. These additional costs were offset in part by our decision to match our marketing spend to our supply chain capabilities as well as amortizing our fixed costs over a larger revenue base. I'd like to end by saying that I am extremely proud of our team for stepping up our role as a Canadian corporate citizen. Among other things, we launched a fundraising campaign to support the Breakfast Club of Canada's COVID-19 emergency fund. And we also provided weekly meals to teams working at the Shum Hospital's first-line patient call center, and volunteers at the on-site daycare center. Giving back is a core part of our business, and it has never been more pressing to support Canadians across the country who are facing unprecedented challenges. In summary, our customers are embracing good food as an alternative to traditional supermarkets. Throughout our growing selection of exclusive private label grocery products and delicious meal solutions, COVID-19 has accelerated the timeline of our business plan 
and provides us with a unique opportunity to grow and reinforce our position as a Canadian leader in online grocery and meal solutions. Our team is excited by the strong tailwinds behind us, which we expect will drive us to new heights throughout much of the decade. Our operations have come through the first stress test of the pandemic, and we are currently focused on preparing our operations and supply chain to be ready for a second wave of COVID-19 in the event that it were to occur in the fall and or winter months. On that note, I will now turn the call over to Philippe to go over our financial performance. Thank you, Jonathan. Good morning, everyone. Slide six provides details on subscribers and revenue. Interestingly, our third quarter is usually the start of a slower period, impacted by spring breaks in March across Canada and by the start of the nicer weather in May. However, the acceleration of online grocery adoption changed these seasonality trends as demand naturally grew for our products. At the end of the third quarter, Good Food subscriber base reached 272,000 with the addition of 26,000 net new active subscribers during the quarter. Revenue has also grown to a record $86.6 million, up $36.7 million, or 74% compared to the corresponding period in 2019. The increase in revenue was primarily driven by higher order rates and basket sizes from our current subscribers. The continued expansion of the company's product offering and decrease in incentives and credits as a percentage of revenue also contributed to the increase in quarterly revenue. This exponential growth combined with our solid execution allowed us to reach just shy of the $250 million mark in LTM revenue. Turning to slide seven, gross merchandise sales also increased significantly to $99.8 million, up 63% year over year. The solid growth momentum of the third quarter allowed us to surpass the $400 million mark in gross merchandise sales run rate for the first time. After only five years in business, we believe this is quite an achievement as it demonstrates not only our ability to execute, but also a fast and reliable adoption rate. It is important to highlight that revenues grew more than GMS as we achieved a level of credits and incentives of 13% of gross merchandise sales, well below the 20% average for fiscal 2019. Despite the surge in demand for our products, we're able to keep a tight control on quality issues and the credits given accordingly as keeping our high-quality standards for our members was a priority. Incentives, usually given to new customers, were reduced as part of our plan to limit marketing spend to match supply chain capabilities. Please now turn to slide 8, which compares our gross profit and adjusted gross profit. Our gross profit increased to $24.9 million, a record or a margin of 28.8%, an increase of 0.5 percentage points year over year. The increase in gross margin resulted mainly from a decrease in incentives and credits as a percentage of revenues combined with lower unit costs for packaging and shipping due to operational efficiencies, increased density among the delivery zones, and purchasing power with key suppliers. This was offset by higher costs incurred for additional production employees and temporary wage increases higher food costs, and other related costs, such as personal protection equipment directly related to COVID-19. Our adjusted gross profit reached $38.1 million, or a margin of 38.2%, down 3.4 percentage points year over year, due primarily to pressure on food and labor costs resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic. A significant part of these costs is deemed non-recurring. 
The next slide shows our net income and adjusted EBITDA. We are extremely proud to report our first quarterly positive adjusted EBITDA in our short history at $6 million or a margin of 6.9%. Note that adjusted EBITDA is also at near break even for the first nine months of the fiscal year. The increase in adjusted EBITDA margin resulted primarily from higher revenues, gross profits, as well as the operating leverage effect as SG and expenses as a percentage of revenues decreased, offset by additional expenses resulting from the launch of new product offerings, as well as the additional costs incurred due to COVID-19. Similarly, we reported our first net income. It reached $2.8 million or five cents per share, compared to a net loss of $3.6 million or negative six cents per share for the same period last year. The first quarter of profitability is strengthening our business model and strategy as we continue to develop and launch new online grocery and meal solution products on a weekly basis. Turning to slide 10 for cash flow and capital expenditures. In the third quarter, we provided record cash flow from operating activities of $8.6 million, primarily due to a positive net income and a favorable variance in non-cash operating working capital as a result of our balance sheet structure. The capital expenditures of $1.9 million were mainly related to the build-out of the Vancouver Fulfillment Facility, the construction of the in-house ready-to-eat area at our Montreal facility, and the continued investment in automation equipment. Overall, we've generated over $6 million of free cash flow net of capital expenditure this quarter. For the first nine months of the fiscal year, we invested $5.8 million in capital expenditures. We still expect to spend around $10 million in capital expenditures in fiscal 2020. The investments in the build-out of the new flagship fulfillment center in the GTA will only start in fiscal 2021. We ended the quarter in a very strong financial position with cash, cash equivalents, and restricted cash of $80.5 million. We thus have ample flexibility to grow from current levels and withstand any potential headwinds if required. Finally, we'd like to turn to slide 11 to provide some color on our outlook. The current pandemic has changed habits across consumer markets. We've seen a sustained shift to grocery shopping completed online, and we expect the shift to accelerate over the coming years as consumers realize how easy and affordable it is to receive grocery items purchased online, delivered directly at home. With that said, some financial consequences of the pandemic will most likely reverse over time. We've anchored roughly $2.4 million of pandemic-related expenses that are non-recurring and are already reduced, like the Essential Canadian Pay Program, which we recently discontinued. The COVID-19-related costs consist of $2 million in production labor costs, <clears throat> as well as $0.4 million in other production costs and SG&E expenses, for instance, personal protection equipment and sanitizer and additional health and safety measures. The pandemic has brought about business challenges and opportunities, and evaluating the full range of medium and long-term consequences today is very difficult. What we know is the acceleration of online grocery shopping across Canadian households will continue. We anticipate that a significant portion of grocery shopping done in stores has shift and will continue to shift online. We also anticipate that a large portion of food consumption done at restaurants and other hospitality businesses has and may very well continue to shift to e-commerce or meal solutions. With our developed footprint of purpose-built fulfillment centers, best-in-class last-mile logistics, and well-established brands, Good Food is an ideal position to capitalize on these industry shifts. 
Before we conclude, I'd like to make a few comments on our next quarter. As a reminder, our fourth quarter is typically slow, given vacation time and nicer weather, which changes and influences the behavior of our members and of potential customers. As such, the fourth quarter is characterized by lower order rates, lower marketing expenses, and fewer new active subscriber additions. Margin are also affected by higher packaging costs due to warmer weather. The current COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated penetration of online grocery and on meal solution, but may not significantly change the seasonal dynamics affecting our next quarter. It is difficult to predict exactly how our consumer will behave and will monitor the situation closely and will be ready to adjust our operations accordingly. This concludes our financial highlights for the third quarter and our prepared remarks for today. We'll now be pleased to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Thank you. As a reminder, financial analysts may press star 1 on your telephone to ask a question. To withdraw your question, please press the pound or hash key. As a courtesy to others, we do ask that each participant limit themselves to one question and, if necessary, one follow-up. Your first question this morning comes from Martin Landry from Stiefel. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning and uh, congratulations on, on the solid uh, results. Um, and and uh, I understand that um, you know uh, you know you don't have full visibility on on your Q4, but um, I was wondering um, if you can if you can share a bit of color. I mean, you've you've seen a higher basket size and higher order rates uh, due to the COVID crisis. I, I'm wondering, you know, how these metrics have evolved uh, post quarter end. Morning, uh, Martin. <clears throat> so we uh, we're about a month into uh, Q4 right now. Um, in terms of uh, order rate and average order values, uh, we can we continue to see them uh, above the rates that we were seeing uh, pre-COVID. Uh, we have seen them come down a little bit since the uh, peak of the crisis and, and the peak of the lockdown. Um, as Phil mentioned, uh, part of our thinking there is there, there's an impact from loosening of uh, some of the social distancing um, uh, guidelines that are in place. I think there's also an effect from uh, our typical uh, Q4 seasonality pattern, although less um, uh, exacerbated perhaps than in the past. Uh, we know that during the summer months, people tend to um, find ways to, to leave their homes even during these periods where um, uh, road trips or staycations can still be an option. Uh, and, and as we look longer term um, in, into the, let's say, the next coming years, we can see uh, definitely that the, the industry as a whole um, can be bolstered by this shift that's really accelerating in terms of uh, the dollars moving from offline grocery stores and and restaurants into the online world. And we think that will continue to um, uh, show improvement in, in those metrics. And the last thing I would say is, I, I'd just like to remind everyone in this situation that um, our, our business strategy pre-COVID uh, was also um, built around increasing order rates and, and average order values through growing our selection, whether it's our, our meal solutions or 
our private label grocery products to uh, fulfill a larger part of our customers' basket. And um, some of that was accelerated during this uh, crisis, but long term, that was always our strategy and intent. And and we're happy to see that that's uh, been accelerated and well on track. Okay, thank you. And um, maybe just a, a follow up. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion on on online grocery in your press release, and um, I was wondering if you could share some um, of the attachment rates uh, you're seeing for grocery items into your meal kit boxes currently, and uh, you know what would be your your near term and long term goals for for attachment rates. Uh, so today we're seeing um, more than 25% of orders are containing a non-ready-to-cook um, item. Uh, I think there will be um, a couple of different uh, inflection points for that part of the business. Uh, so right now we're, we're in a stage where with um, 300 um, SKUs on the website, they uh, those SKUs are... Uh, primarily add-ons to the order, right? Like the the uh, main driving force continues to be uh, the attraction of our ready-to-cook meals, um, and so so we're able to see add-ons, which is positive for average order value uh, as well as um, overall gross margin. And as we hit uh, different milestones in uh, growing the selection on the website, so going from 300 to 1,000 to 2,000 plus. Um, Use. Uh, we believe there's going to be a point where we'll continue to, to lead with um, our, our ready-to-cook meals and our differentiated meal solutions that are um, that are high-margin products, but we'll become more of a destination for other items outside of um, uh, only the ready-to-cook uh, products, which we believe will be positive for um, all of the economics uh, across the board. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you so much. Your next question comes from Ryan Lay from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my questions, and uh, congrats on the great quarter. Um, I just kind of want to touch on the, the lower SG&A rates. Can you, can you just, like, break it down more specifically, um, which kind of buckets you benefited from in this quarter, and, and how sticky do you think those are going forward, um, notwithstanding seasonality? Hi, Ryan. It's Philip. Um, I think in the past we, we said that our SG&A bucket was split between mostly marketing expenses and wages and salaries, and that um, wages and salaries represented 35 to 45% of that bucket in, in the past. I mean, in this quarter, we've, uh, we've definitely continued to build out our teams. Uh, as John mentioned, like we're ramping up our grocery offerings. We're building up um, that team uh, very much, opening new facilities across the country. So um, you can imagine that we've uh, invested as, uh, as well in wages and salaries. And that's, in, it, it, that's um, wages and salaries is at the higher part of that range for the SGNE bucket. And um and like we mentioned on our call, like uh, the goal of this quarter was to um, to limit our marketing spend to match our supply chain capabilities to alleviate pressure in operation. So definitely, um, uh, we saw a big operating leverage there, and um, and we benefit from uh, from 
being able to amortize or, or, or fix costs over a larger revenue base. Okay, thank you. And then in terms of the new website, is that fully launched? Um, I see it in my account, or is it just um, rolled out uh, partially to some members? And um, ha have you noticed any benefits? It's definitely set up a lot better than the prior prior website. I'm glad you noticed it, uh, Brian. We've been um, working so on that easier. behind the scenes. <laughs> so we um, have been working on a uh, new user experience for uh, a few reasons. I think it was uh, primarily um, the thinking behind it was to make it easier to discover some of our new products and um, to make selection process faster and, and more seamless. Um, we're rolling out that uh, new selection page user experience in a phased way across the country uh, in order to uh, continue gathering feedback from customers and, uh, and continuously improve on the experience. There's about 70% uh, of our member base today that has access to that um, new selection page user experience. Um, our hope was um, that it would help uh, continue to drive an increase in, in average order value and order rates, which is coming true. Uh, and, and the other um, exciting part of, of this uh, user experience is that we're able to offer more flexibility to our customers. So um, our customers can choose from different uh, recipes from different ready-to-cook plans, for example, which was a, a big pain point, uh, as well as select uh, as many uh, servings of an individual recipe as they'd like. Uh, and so it, it's, a, it's, it's exciting for flexibility. Um, it's a real differentiator uh, in the market in terms of experience. And over the next uh, uh, few months, we'll have rolled it out to 100% of Good Food members. Okay, thanks for that, um, and uh, I'll leave it at that. Your next question comes from Frédéric Tremblay from Desjardins. Please go ahead. Thank you, and congrats on a on great quarter. Um, just wondering on, on private label grocery, uh, with it being so successful currently, um, do you plan on accelerating the pace at which you will introduce additional SKUs in that category. Maybe if you could take us through some of the timeline of going from 300 to you know, several thousand SKUs. Hi, Frederick Neil here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the question and thanks for the comments on the quarter. Um, we, we definitely have a pretty aggressive ramp plan already uh, drawn up on paper. So, um, you know, COVID, <clears throat> during the, the first couple of weeks of COVID, we decided to focus on the current operations and make sure supply chain can keep up with the demand that we saw, um, you know, coming in uh, well above the, the $420 million run rate that we announced. So um, we, uh, you know, we have a, we have a good team in place here that uh, has been built out over this quarter and past quarter. That's, uh, that's ready to scale pretty aggressively. You should see a, an increasing frequency of, of new products on the new part of the webpage that, uh, uh, that Ryan was just uh, referring to, and and um, and also around the country, because we tend to uh, focus the launches on on certain regions at the beginning, and then scale uh, scale across the country. So we don't think it's a it's a rush to get to uh, any specific number of SKUs. 
um, but uh, want to control the uh, the scaling to make sure the experience is very very good. Perfect. And uh, maybe as a follow up to that, um, there was a mention of good courier in the, in the comments, um, especially with online grocery. I'm wondering what your your internal plans are in terms of of potentially eventually offering same or next day delivery. Um, maybe if you can maybe comment on your intentions for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we're really excited about uh, what we've been able to do with Good Courier so far. Uh, as uh, as we've said in the past many times on these calls and in other uh, investor forums, uh, density is, is extremely important for the last mile delivery game. And uh, and because of our density from our marketing strategy and uh, and high customer retention um, in uh, in those markets, um, we've been able to you know significantly reduce the the cost and increase the experience with uh, with Good Courier. Uh, you know, in the coming months, you can you can uh, imagine a uh, an Uber Eats type experience through uh, through Goodfoot platform uh, in terms of user experience. Um, you know, we think uh, the current timeline definitely uh, from order to receiving uh, is very very good for for clients that have a uh, very predictable schedule. Um, but those who travel a little more often have uh, you know. Um, Different uh, different schedules that are uh, are much less predictable uh, could uh, could benefit quite a bit from some sort of same day next day delivery service. So we're we're not going to commit to any time frame officially on the call, but it's something that we're uh, we're working on, and um, and uh, we should have some news uh, in the coming uh, quarters. Okay, that's very helpful. Thank you. Your next question comes from Luke Hannon from Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks, and uh, good morning, guys. And I'd, I'd like to echo the comments on on uh, what was uh, obviously a very strong quarter. Um, the, the first question I have, I guess, is on that um, lower marketing spend. I know you briefly touched on what the trends are um, in Q4 to date. I'm just curious to know if the marketing spend um, is, I guess, at similar levels as to where it would have been uh, in Q3 so far. Uh, we are, uh, you know, as we mentioned during Q3, um, the objective was to to match our marketing spend to our uh, operational and supply chain capabilities. Um, we uh, have definitely stabilized the operations since Q3 and uh, are are in a good, um, stable situation from a, a demand and a supply perspective. Um, and and the the other thing I would mention is uh, Q4 is is always a uh, typically um, seasonally light uh, period for marketing spend and for uh, customer acquisition. So we're trying to um, uh, continue to find ways to balance um, uh, the short term and the long term to ensure that we're making the right decisions for our uh, competitive position uh, in the coming years. Uh, understanding that we um, believe that there's uh, that our addressable market has shifted from a ten billion dollar market in Canada to a twenty three billion dollar market uh, by twenty twenty three and so during this journey we'll be making the right decisions for uh, shareholders in order to maximize that long term value while balancing uh, shorter term uh, profitability understood. 
Um, and then my, my second question is on your new <clears throat> two newest uh, fulfillment uh, centers in Vancouver and Toronto. Uh, I'm just curious how uh, are these sort of operating at scale right now, or is there still um, some time before both of these are, um, are, are fully ramped up? Yeah, um, definitely the um, the Vancouver facility or BC facility. You know, we we uh, we had it in our uh, strategic plan uh, many many months in advance and had uh, had time to properly plan and, and ramp up. So that was something that uh, is uh, is on target with our ramp plan and um, is not uh, is definitely not operating at capacity because we built a facility larger than uh, than what we needed to to accommodate the growth that John was just mentioning. Uh, but uh, definitely on track and uh, is taking uh, almost all of the volume that it can uh, across the uh, the network right now. So we're we're ramping up still and um, should be uh, fully uh, fulfilling all of the uh, the capacity it can uh, in uh, in months uh, in a couple of months. Um, the GTA, the smaller facility that we uh, we announced kind of during the, the COVID um, height of the lockdown. Um, is taking additional capacity that uh, was coming from our Montreal facility. Um, so we're really excited about being close to clients, uh, enabling some of those uh, um, shorter timeframes of deliveries uh, in the future as well, and um, and uh, is uh, is ramping up very very nicely from uh, you know from from the time that we thought we uh, should act on the facility or decided the, that it made sense to our first delivery was uh, was about seven weeks. Um, and now we've been really, really scaling that up. So it's been uh, really, really positive to have uh, of that in the uh, in the network. Um, and you can anticipate more volume going through there, but uh, definitely not at capacity either. Okay, great. Appreciate the color. As a reminder, it's star one on your touchtone phone in order to ask a question. Your next question comes from Michael Glenn from Raymond James. Please go ahead. Hey, uh, good morning. Uh, just on the competitive situation in Canada right now with the big uptick that we're, we're seeing in the online grocery world, are you seeing, um, you're obviously benefiting from that, capturing your fair share or more than your fair share. Are you seeing an uptick in the competitive situation as people try to jump in and grab some, some market share here as well? We are. Um in a market um, that is uh, experiencing such uh, significant increases in growth and penetration, um, I think it's to be expected in the coming years that um, uh, most retailers are, are going to be investing in their um, uh, online and, and e-commerce uh, fulfillment capabilities. Um, I would say from a... a Current perspective in the market today, we continue to see uh, uh, more of a, of a supply side challenge than a demand side challenge. So um, there's there's more demand out there for um, uh, grocery delivery and and uh, and food delivery than there is uh, supply of businesses that are able to fulfill um, that demand. Uh, and I think longer term. Um, these tailwinds will, will continue into the coming years. And uh, from Good Foods' perspective, it's important for us to be building uh, on a differentiated strategy that will be able to uh, carve out a unique uh, piece of the market 
And so our, our unique uh, differentiator includes uh, our, our technology and fulfillment uh, capabilities that we've invested in in the past few years, which will get us, as Neil mentioned, to same day and, and next day deliveries in a ultra cost competitive fashion, uh, as well as our merchandising strategy um, that's focused around our high margin meal solutions, whether it be our ready to cook products uh, or our uh, prepared meal products and complete that grocery basket with private label, um, uh, really a, a, a complete selection of private label grocery products to, to fill out the rest of the grocery basket, which again is, is uh, under Good Foods brand in order to be differentiated, uh, to reduce the complexity of selection, uh, and to carve out larger margins than what a, a typical uh, retailer might make in selling uh, grocery items. So. We, we would look at this uh, competitive environment as continuing to be uh, quite favorable for us in, in growing the overall market. And we're quite pleased with uh, the progress that we're making on executing on that strategy. Okay. And then uh, last quarter, uh, you, you alluded to the meal kit business being EBITDA positive. I'm assuming that that's the case this quarter as well. Um, are you able to indicate whether the private label offering uh, was was even a positive in the period? Hi, Michael. Um, yeah, definitely meal kit is uh, a bit that positive this quarter, obviously. Um, on the the private label in the meal solution business, um, I mean, we're we're starting to see some profitability signs, but we're not completely there yet. Um, definitely, the, the the growth that we've been uh, seeing in Q3 is helping. Uh, with offering leverage, ramping up the margin, uh, establishing stronger relationship with our suppliers, and uh, getting better pricing for what we buy. Um, this is all uh, beneficial to our business, and profitability is coming, but overall it's still the milk business that is uh, that is increasing the profitability on a consolidated level. And, um, and yeah, uh, like in terms of the split, like last quarter we said 90% of our revenues were, was coming from, uh, from the milk kit. It's still the case, even though uh, directionally is still the case, and even though we saw a big uh, increase in our private label uh, sales, uh, meal kit also increased quite a bit in Q3. So that the split is still the same, and uh, and overall um, profitability is coming on the on the newer divisions. Okay, thanks for taking the questions. Our next question comes from Jenny Wang from Eight Capital. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. Congrats on the quarter, guys. Um, a lot of questions were asked, but uh, just one question on the uh, subscriber, uh, adding subscribers. At the onset of the pandemic, when you were um, kind of holding back on, on adding new subscribers, uh, are you kind of back to normal now in terms of being able to absorb uh, new additions? Um, yeah, the, the operations... Uh have uh, have definitely stabilized uh, across the country. As we mentioned, we're still seeing um, some cost challenges. Uh, we had the, uh, the Central Canadian Pay Program uh, that uh, is ending um, officially in July, early July for uh, all associates across the country. Um, supply chain, uh, price of protein, as you guys have seen, uh, probably from shopping yourselves or in the news or other coverage, uh, is, uh, is still quite high. So uh, we still have definitely some gross margin uh, pressure. But uh, we're able to absorb uh, more volume now that the operations are stabilized, and uh, we have the uh, additional facilities that can uh, can ramp uh, as well. 
Got it. Thanks. And maybe just one more on uh, uh, maybe on the uh, cost side. Are you um, seeing any pressure on, on food costs or um, anything that's kind of putting pressure on gross margins um, or kind of what's the dynamic in terms of uh, um, kind of on the cost side of things? Thanks. Yeah, definitely. Like um, I think uh, things have stabilized, uh, as I said. So um, there's uh, we're not we're not running around to find ingredients uh, and uh, and you know bring on new suppliers every day, like kind of at the top of the uh, of the of the crisis. Um, so we're able to uh, have a little more strategic discussions and better negotiations, and, and our uh, contractual pricing is, is back in line. So. Um, Definitely still pressure on, on food cost, uh, mostly coming from protein, especially as it starts to warm up in Canada. Uh, there's, uh, there's usually a pretty big drop in, uh, in produce prices in, uh, in the summer months. Uh, so definitely some price on the protein side. Um, and then on the, uh, on the labor side as well, uh, at least through the month of June, having higher, uh, uh, higher expenses due to the Central Canadian Pay Program. As well as a couple of, uh, of holidays uh, in the in the uh, Q4 uh, quarter, um, various provinces have their kind of provincial holidays, as well as uh, Canada Day causes a little pressure on the uh, on the gross margin side. So um, overall, that's uh, that's what we're seeing. Um, some of it uh, offset by uh, by some of the good courier gains that we've had, and, and other logistics gains that we've had, um, and uh, and definitely the. the Seasonal packaging pressure that we always have uh, is, uh, is is there as well, um, but uh, that's the uh, that's the current situation for gross margin. Got it. Thank you. This concludes the Q and A portion of our call, and I will now turn the call back to our speakers for concluding remarks. Thanks very much, everybody, for joining us on the call today. We look forward to speaking with you next quarter. Ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude today's conference call. Thank you once more for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.